Hello everyone and welcome to The Kate Show. Today I have special guest Michelle Williams of Scarlet Thread Consulting. Now Michelle specializes in business coaching for interior designers, workrooms, window treatment professionals of all kinds, and any creative entrepreneur. What I love about Michelle is that she doesn't sugarcoat things, but she also approaches business with grace, compassion, and a lot of empowerment. Now, this was especially important to me when I was looking for a business coach. And you've guessed it, Michelle Williams is my business coach. So I can attest firsthand to how helpful she is, how understanding she is, and how business savvy she is and how that has helped just explode my business. Now, today we're talking all about the financial side of your business. And I know that as soon as I said the word financial, you cringed and you thought, maybe I'm gonna skip this episode. Well, let me tell you what, you can. You can totally skip this episode, but I don't think you should, and here is why. If the word finances, if the word money, if the word profits makes you feel uncomfortable, overwhelmed, or, or just ignorant, you definitely need to hear this episode. Let me share a little story with you. When I started my business back in 2014, I had an extremely negative mindset around money, and that prevented my business from growing and flourishing for about two, almost two and a half years. So believe me when I tell you, your mindset absolutely matters. You can work hard and deliver great service, but if you don't know how to approach money with open arms, then you're never going to be successful and you're always going to look at money as something that is dirty, something that you shouldn't have, or even worse, something that you don't deserve. Now, in today's episode, we're not talking about amassing large amounts of money just for the sake of amassing money. No, we're talking about what do you do with your money after you make a sale? You should be saving it. You should be investing it into your business. You should be putting it aside for taxes. But most of all, and the one thing that creative entrepreneurs have the biggest struggle with, is paying themselves regularly. So if you aren't paying yourself regularly right now, and by that I mean bi-weekly or monthly, or you know, even weekly, because you can set the rules here, you need to hear what Michelle has to say. Because she approaches this entire topic in a way that won't scare you, that won't make you feel overwhelmed. Plus, Michelle has a great free resource that you guys can get at the end of this episode, and you can also find it in the show notes. It's going to help you learn how to not be afraid of your QuickBooks account or your FreshBooks account. It's going to help you understand exactly what you're looking at so that you can determine, is your business being profitable right now? Are you putting the different monies in the right places? Are you able to actually pay yourself more than you have been paying yourself? And you can also pinpoint if you've got a financial problem in your company before it even becomes a problem. Now, oh, that would take a huge load off, wouldn't it? So without further ado, let's dive into this action-packed episode with Michelle Williams. Welcome to The Kate Show, a weekly marketing podcast for interior designers and home stagers. Hosted by author, entrepreneur, and marketing consultant, Kate the Socialite. Each week, you'll learn helpful tips on how to make social media easier, how to grow your mailing list, and how to simplify every area of marketing and advertising your business. With her blunt, no-fluff approach, Kate stands up for business owners who want real results in their marketing but have limited time or resources. And now, please welcome your host, Kate the Socialite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Kate Show. Today, I have Michelle Williams of Scarlet Thread Consulting with us, and I know you heard all about her in the introduction, so I'm not going to make you guys wait any further. So, Michelle, welcome to The Kate Show. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for being here. So, I know that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have likely heard of you already, but not everybody knows you, and not everyone knows the very unique career path that you've had that it's taken you from where you were, which I'm not going to give it away, to now being a business coach for creative entrepreneurs. So if you don't mind, just get us started off with what your career path has looked like up to this point. Sure. 
Um, and, and thanks so much for for showing and, and just giving um, an opportunity for me to share that because I think it's important for all of us to realize that um, where we are right now is usually an amalgamation of everywhere we've been, right? And that's what kind of creates a uniqueness for each of us with how we run and operate our businesses. And so mine's no different from anyone else with the understanding of I am where I am because of everywhere else I've been. So my career path started at the ripe age of 21. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia from um, a small town in South Carolina and I started working for Dun & Bradstreet Software. At the time it was called Management Science America, MSA. And we built financial accounting software for large corporations. We used IBM mainframe. So it was before, you know, laptops and PCs and all that. And I built and focused primarily on the accounts payable and purchasing inventory systems. And then I was the project manager, the, the development manager that built the project accounting system. And that was about a two and a half year build program. And so I did that for 10 years and then I came home to raise my children and decided, I, I think I was home for probably maybe about, I don't know, nine months to a year. And I was thinking I got to do something else. I, I'm just a very active get up, go, go, busy, busy. And so I, I did work at our church preschool for a few months helping implement a computer program so that they could track all the students. But I was like, I need to do something like a little bit more than that. And all the time that I had been working in corporate, I'd been taking classes at one of the local community or Oglethorpe University. It's in kind of down in the little Buckhead area. And I'd been taking classes at night for interior design and textiles and all that kind of thing. Just really loved it taught myself to sew when I was pregnant with my first child because I wanted something I couldn't find in the stores. Of course, that's before you have the internet where everything's at your fingertips. And so um, I started a company in 2000 called The Scarlet Thread, and we offered custom window treatments and, you know, design, if you will, for all soft furnishing. So that would have been bedding and window treatments and cushions and pillows and some small upholstery pieces. And so I did that for many years, worked with retail and wholesale. So worked with the designers and then also went in and did the design piece with the homeowner. So worked both sides of it. And then um, in 2009, I joined with some other investors and we were the managing partnership for the Custom Home Furnishings Academy which was a 9,000 square foot facility in Charlotte, North Carolina, that provided educational resources to the custom home furnishings industry. So we taught how to make custom window treatments. We taught um, how to do installations for custom window treatments, blind shade shutter cells. We had a decorating course. Um, and we had instructors that came in from all over the country for that. We taught color courses. We had some interior design specific courses, you know, upholstery, slip covers, everything. So pretty much all of the things that we need to help finish the home. And um, we, we put out a magazine twice a month and, and taught classes. And so I was one of the partners who helped to manage that for four years. And then in 2012, we sold that business. I was still running my workroom part-time while doing all of that and traveling around the country to teach. I started teaching um, the business classes with a focus primarily on pricing back in, in small pieces, 2007, eight, nine, and then really got into that heavily in 2010. So I had, as I guess they'd say, an iron and a whole lot of fires during that time. And in 2012, the partnership sold the managing piece of the um, Custom Home Furnishings Academy. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I'd also had some really major health issues that, that happened in that same time frame that were very life-changing. And I ended up having to have bypass surgery in my right arm because I didn't have blood flow. Well, when you are you know, trying to make custom window treatments, you kind of need that arm, especially when it's your dominant arm. And so that really, you know, led me to think about long-term career and the ability to use my body and then just the wear and tear that had already happened to my body after what, 16, 15 years of working like that. So 
anyway, I, um, I had started getting emails from a lot of the business owners that I had taught classes to, and they would ask me questions. Could you walk this path with me? Could I call you every month and ask you questions? How much would you charge me if I were to just call and get you to look at my profit loss or look at my documents? So in other words, moving from kind of a, a one to you know a large mini in education, will you walk the path and look at my details and help me strategize? Well, that's what I love to do because my degree is in information systems and you know, I just love the strategy piece. That is one of my strengths. And so I went back and started taking courses on how to become a business coach because that really resonated with me and I really enjoyed doing it. And it was beautiful because I could teach from all these things that I'd done. And so again, to the point that I started with, nothing was wasted. So every single thing um, that I had done from working in corporate America, a large company, small company, I bought a company, sold a company. I had... Um, you know, put out a magazine, work with vendors, work with homeowners, work behind the scenes to support the designers. So it's almost like every single piece of the chain. I'd even done installation for the first few years until I hurt my arm um, of my business. And so it was like every part of the business I had touched or done in some capacity. And all of that kind of came together when my body physically wouldn't cooperate for a few months and up to about a year there and it, it, I was allowed to be able to use a different part of my education and what I had to offer the industry so I shifted into coaching and still ran my drapery workroom I was able to pick it back up some in 2000 and mm, probably mid 2013 and I closed it down from you know mainstream business at the end of 2016 and so that's kind of how I got through to where I am today. I still continue to educate across primarily the United States for pricing and profitability. That's just really my main focus um, as far as I help the business holistically, but with an idea of let's make this profitable. And then I have multiple coaching programs now. So I coach one-to-one. I have small group coaching and mastermind alliance groups. And then I also have a large um, group coaching program that that's one to many so it could be three people or it could be 50 people and so I, I get to do a little bit of all of it now and I love it you know what I really love about your story and that entire career journey that you've been on is that you always seemed to know when it was okay to switch gears you know and to switch gears entirely and I see many people struggling with this and I think this is becoming a trend on this podcast of having guests on here who know exactly how to pivot even if in the moment it doesn't look like you're intending to start a whole new career it kind of just happens to you and would you say Michelle that that's just part of having a, a willing spirit and following God's direction and how did you how did you be okay with that those, um, I guess, pivots and those mindset shifts, because that's a big deal. Oh, wow. So I'll tell you, um, right now, my voice sounds a little um, hoarse, and I recognize it. This is, <laughs> I can hear it. So I know people probably think, oh, she sounds like she's exhausted. <laughs> well, well, I am tired, but I'm going to tell you why and how it fits into the question you just asked. I just hosted a retreat, and we had eight women at the lake and we were doing a, a mid-year business retreat. So we were looking at our last five months, right? So almost the first two quarters, did we accomplish what we planned? What are we doing? And then how do we look forward to the next six months? And how do we plan in detail for, for, for that? And um, at least two of the women in the retreat were doing exactly what you just said. They were getting ready to have a big pivot. Actually, I was three. One had just sold part of her business. One had just bought a part of her of a business. And the third person was in a position that they were totally changing up what they were doing within this creative industry. And I'll tell you, I, I, I do try really hard to pray over every aspect of my business and of every business that I touch, all those that I work with, my, I pray for them continually. And I do believe that sometimes we come into these businesses and we think that what we're creating is what it's going to always be. And sometimes it is. Sometimes that is the leading. You know, what you start with is what you end with. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that path. And then sometimes we start feeling this 
this restlessness of there's got to be more or could it be different or I'm bored. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. To your point, in 2012, when, now let me back up, in 2009 when the opportunity came up to join the partnership to manage the school, that was so exciting, but it was scary as well because I was stepping out of what I would normally do within my own home. I had a home-based business. I'm stepping out and taking on, you know, with others, the responsibility for a building in a state that's two away from mine that I'm going to have to travel to every month. I mean, there was a lot that went into that, but there was this huge excitement. So if that, for that pivot, it didn't necessarily feel like I was really having to stop anything or leave it behind because I still had the workroom going on. But in 2012, when my health declined to the point that I had to, um, you know, ask to sell and others were willing to do that and we were all, you know, looking to make a shift, I went through a, a six-month period, Kate, where I knew that God was moving and changing because I literally could not move my right arm to go straight. I could not straighten my right arm mm -hmm. and the nerve pain and the damage was so bad. So I knew I could not do what I'd been doing. So part of that was this physical change that was going to have a ripple effect. And I struggled and, and physically, however, I really felt, um, and a peace in my spirit because I kept praying. My whole goal has been to honor the Lord with my business at whatever place it is, whether it's big, small, little, going left, going right at all times. And I felt a peace that just said, just wait on me, just wait, just keep going and just wait. So then when the change happened in 13, I think to your point, it was that openness and willingness that it could change and it was okay. Then I went through a grieving process, um, to be honest, in 16, because I had built a business that I loved, and I'd started feeling almost like when I went down to my drapery workroom, that it was pulling me away from my new love of coaching and working with people. So then what had been a beautiful thing, what had launched 16 years of success, then actually almost started to feel like an anchor. Do you know what I mean? Like dragging me down. And so I had to go through... Um, just a real open process with myself that it's okay to shift and it's okay to grow and it's okay to say as Ecclesiastes does, you know, there's a, a time for everything, a season for everything. And I'd had a season for that. And I was going to embrace the beauty of that and the learning of that and let it lead me into this new thing and that it, it was okay. And now it's, it's funny. I was telling the group of women this weekend, I like went on a crazy spree last week before we went, all of a sudden I decided I hated all the pillows in my family room. So I went downstairs and made eight new pillows and I completely loved it because I have the whole workroom still set up. So I'm down there just throwing fabric everywhere and making pillows. I'm like back in the zone and I loved it. And I felt the difference between going back and doing it for pleasure, um, and, which is what it had been when I originally started. And then there was that small time that it kind of felt like drudgery. And so I think you're right, being open, being willing. For me, it was just praying and, and, and asking the Lord to move me to the next place that I could make an impact and that I could help people because that's always been my heart. So if it's helping them to have beautiful things in their home, maybe I'm also can help them have a beautiful business, right? And one that they're equally as proud of because it's important. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. That pivot is strong. And I think we really have to give ourselves permission um, to let go of one thing so the next thing can come in. I heard someone use the expression, um, you got to remove the gremlin from your garage so you have room for the Porsche. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that sounds so funny, but it's yeah. so true. Get the old car out of the garage sometimes so you have room for the new fast, speedy thing. Well, and if I you love your gremlin, keep it. But there is <laughs> yeah, if you love it. But there are so many people out there who don't love it anymore, but they think they have to keep it. And I think that is just like one of the saddest things we could ever see in business. So what I really, really appreciate about all your mindset on pivoting and on running your business is the fact that you make your faith an integral part of it. And for everyone listening, Michelle is my business coach too. I mean, I mean, sure, I might be a little bit biased, but let me tell you, 
there is something so profound about being the same person in your business as you are in your, you know, slash real life, whatever you want to call it, because one does affect the other. And Michelle, that's something that you taught me and being true to ourselves and more importantly, being true to our faith in both facets of our life like that make all the difference. And now I'm a creative entrepreneur. And I know that you work with interior designers, you work with the window treatment workrooms, and just the whole gamut of things. What would you say, after doing this coaching for a few years, what would you say is the biggest challenge that creatives have in running their businesses? Um, I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is trying to do it all, and then mm. trying to do it all well. Because... You know, a, a lot of times as creatives, we step into these businesses, especially in the industries that I serve, and you can start slowly and you can start um, with a small business, right? And so they feel like they need to be the ones to do their own social media, to do their own newsletters, to do their own, you know, which is what you also do. But then they, they need to be the one that can go out and meet the client and then they can do the purchasing and they can do the financial review and they can enter in all their balances. And they pretty much are running a company and they're trying to be all of it. We've all done it. I did the same thing because it's small and you're just getting it off the ground and maybe you don't have the capital to go out and hire a bunch of experts to help you with things. And so to me, the biggest challenge that they have is they start that way, but the same way that we've talked about pivoting, they don't know when to pivot and bring in help. And so they stay stuck. But what I think is so interesting is when you talk to creatives, primarily in the interior design and window treatment world, one of their big frustrations is the DIY market because they're frustrated that the DIYers are watching it and they wanna do it without calling in help. Yet we often do the same thing in our business. We DIY our business and don't call in help. So we are actually creating the culture that we want to avoid. Mm, that so we is stuck in this process, right? Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I know that there are a bunch of business owners out there feeling pretty guilty right now <laughs> because the, you basically just nailed us to the wall with that one. And you're so right. Well, I did it too. And, and mm -hmm. the problem is, is you can start off small doing it, but when you really sit down and think, like, say you want to, I want to be an interior designer and I want to work, you know, in this size home with this size budget. Well, if you're spending all of your time doing all these other ancillary things to the business, you don't have time to go get that business, to nurture that business, and then to do that business because you're so spread out everywhere. There's just no way. And so, I think the biggest challenge is not, not just doing it all, but not knowing when to stop doing it all. So to that point, a lot of my listeners are brand new interior designers. Either they've just started their business or they're just wrapping up design school. And I know they're going to be faced with this. So if you could tell them one thing about when to let go and when to give their trust over to a subcontractor or someone in a similar capacity, is there anything that you can say to that person to help them take a chill pill? Because it is a very scary thing. It is. And it, in some ways it all, almost feels like you're giving up control or, or I think sometimes we, we live in a society that makes you think, you know, when, when you're told you can have everything, be everything, do everything. And I think we kind of have come into this with a mindset of I need to do it all and I need to do it well and I've got to take care of me. But I would say that if you're new coming into business, the best thing you could do is come in with a plan, a plan that says I might work until I can get to this point to get it off the ground, right? Because we all have to come in a little bit that way. But then I think when you realize that you are not the best one to do it, when you feel overwhelmed, tired, and pulled in 42 directions, and when you really realize that you don't like it, if you just don't love doing something, you don't like doing it, get help. And I know often the smaller businesses and the newer businesses think they can't afford to get help. They can't afford to pay for this class. They can't afford to outsource this let's say client newsletter or whatever, I'm almost going to tell you you can't afford not to because when you let other people do for you what they 
do really, really well, it frees you up to spend your time doing your highest level work that you do really, really well, that honestly nobody else can step in and do for you. So for my clients, I usually have them write down, write down what, if, if, if you could just be a rock star, what would you do all day to be the rock star in your business? And now tell me what, what over here is, you know, not good for you, or you don't hate, you hate doing it, or you dread it, or you put it off or you pretty much screw it up every time you touch it. List those things and now go find somebody who can help you. And just like there are multiple levels of every business, there are multiple levels of subcontractors that can help you as well, right? You've got the people that can do um, some of your subcontracting for 10,000 a month and you've got some that can do it for 100 a month. So you may have to start off slowly but once you get the taste of just kind of letting somebody else help you in your business, do what they do. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, it's so freeing. Mm. I'll tell you the argument that I hear though, Kate, just because this is going to be the next argument that'll come behind that argument. And it's going to be, well, I can do it. Um, it just takes me longer, but they cost more. And so then my question usually is, okay, so if it takes you longer, number one, do you actually ever do it? Which the answer sometimes is quite honestly, well, no. Or if it took you 10 hours to do something, and let's say you're trying to charge 75 an hour or 100 an hour for your clients as a designer, right? Let's just say that, and it took you, I don't know, 20 hours. Well, that's $2,000. But what if you could pay somebody $30 an hour and they can do it in four? I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. And so we're not, we're really not equalizing it. We're, we're saying we can't afford it, but what we're doing is we're actually limiting our income potential. We're, we're limiting our sales potential by doing jobs that we really have no business doing in our business. There is no corporation out here that has one person in the business to do it all. They have a team of people, each with the focus that can do what they do best. And I just believe that we all have to have a team. I have a team. You have a team. They don't all have to be hired employees, but, they, but we all have to have a team. Yes, absolutely. And I'm kind of a living example of this because when you say, you know, the, the things that you don't like or maybe the things that scare you, those things you definitely need to outsource right away. Well, as you know, Michelle, the very first subcontractor I hired or the very first thing I outsourced was my bookkeeping because mm -hmm. I am terrified of numbers. And you know this. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yes. And that's why when I found out you were launching the Understanding Your Financials course, which I'm going to tell everyone listening about a little bit later, uh, I was just, I breathed a sigh of relief because you have helped me so much with overcoming a lot of my anxiety when it comes to understanding my QuickBooks account and understanding what the numbers mean and when right. I should be freaking out and when I shouldn't be. It, it, you know, it was all so confusing before I met you and before you introduced me to our now mutual friend, Sherry Wilson of um, Business by the Book. And for everyone listening, she's my bookkeeper. She's awesome. But I just really think that one of the biggest issues that creative entrepreneurs like me have is this whole resistance around growing our business, investing in it, and then knowing what the heck to do with all the money when it comes in. Because mm -hmm. sure, we can make money, but it's like, then what? Somehow it can slip through our fingers and we have to pay taxes. And sometimes they take us by surprise and we're not prepared. And we want to pay ourselves, but we don't always know how consistently or how much we should pay ourselves. And I, I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of creative entrepreneurs do not pay themselves regularly. And I know because that used if to be. If at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's how it was before I worked with you. So what, what do you have to say? to those creative entrepreneurs who are scared of money, who have no idea what to do. Okay. So this is a 14 hour interview. Is that <laughs> it? Um, you know, Kate, I'll say this to you. I, and, and I do, I, I remember some of our first calls um, before we even actually talked about how to pay yourself. We, we have to start at the basics and I have to do this all the time. So you're certainly not alone in this. If anything, I would say um, the way you and I met talking about that um, and just, you know, going through was that was our relationship with money mm -hmm. and money is not evil. And I think sometimes there is this idea that money is evil 
Um, and, and the Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? As Dave Ramsey says, money is amoral. It, it doesn't have a morality. It's just an object. It's what we do with that money that, that lends itself to a morality discussion, right? You spend it well, you didn't spend it well, whatever. And so the first thing I think is, is for all of us, creative, non-creative, is to understand our own personal relationship with money buying, spending, how was money used? Because it can be used as a sword to cut. It could be used as a tool to help. So really understanding, because we all have some visceral response to money. We either want more, we feel like we have, we're lacking, we feel like we have enough, we don't want more. Just understanding where we are. Because when we at least understand our relationship to money and that money itself is amoral, then we can start to realize how we can use money in a good way for our business and for others, right? To be able to help others, which I think is so important. I just, um, my husband and I just led Financial Peace University, which is Dave Ramsey's money management system for the home. We led it at our church earlier and we're going to be doing it again in the fall. And we're actually um, working with some um, college kids over the summer to help them understand the same thing, which is what I do every day, all day with business owners. So the things that I would, that I said to you and that I would say to them is start with your relationship with money and then just realize that you have the ability to tell your money what to do. Money doesn't tell us what to do. We get to tell it what to do. And I think it's, it's kind of a, it seems simple, but it is truly a mindset shift. It is saying, I am the one who owns this company and I get to tell my money where to go and I get to tell it what to do. And I get to set boundaries for how it's spent, um, good and bad. And, you know, we even talk about that if the money comes in and there's only so much, um, how to know how much to pay yourself when to pay yourself, and then how to be okay with that. I'll give you just a, a two-minute conversation about my relationship with money. So I grew up, um, and I have always enjoyed having a job and working and doing things. I'm, I guess I've been entrepreneurial since I was a little girl. So I've always found a way to make money by doing things that I already love to do. And my mom, specifically my dad as well, but I was raised with, you give 10% of tithe to the church, you put 10 to 20% in your savings, actually it was 20% in savings, and you live on 70%. That's just how I was taught to manage money. So every time money came in, I put 10% in my envelope, took it to church, 20% in the bank, and I lived on 70%. And so I have always been a natural saver, just save money. So I've always had you know, for the most part, what I needed when I needed it, because I always lived under my means. So I married a, a sweet man who that was not the way that he was taught. And so he was a natural spender. And we've had to learn to put those together in our marriage. Well, in the same way in the business, because I'm a natural saver, I literally am a lot more risk adverse. I'm going to hold on to my money, which also would put me in that first trap we talked about, about not hiring subcontractors, because I'm thinking I need to keep the money. And then I realized the more I hired, the more I made. Okay. But then when you take you know, kind of that next step with money, you're going to your point, okay, all this money's coming in, meaning I'm marketing well, and my sales are going well, I'm converting these people into clients. Now, what do I do? Now that comes down to managing the money well, because making money and selling and, and just being like this, you know, awesome salesperson who just converts everything. That's only one tiny piece of the puzzle. You can have the money. If you don't manage it well, you have nothing at the bottom. You can look at um, people who win the lottery quite often. You know, they've got all this money. They've got the sale. The money came in and then they're destitute within a year or so and they're broke because they didn't know how to manage it. And so what I love to teach people how to do and, and Kate, you and I spend a good time on is really understanding the relationship with money breaking it down and making sure that it's a healthy relationship, kind of fixing those pieces where it might not be or where we've um, brought other people's ideas to money and then um, sitting back and looking at it and truly making a plan for the dollars in your company, making a plan for right now and then making a plan for the business to grow or to shift or to change. And then how will the 
the dollars be spent. And so just, I love just putting people in the ownership position that says you don't have to wait and let your business happen to you. You happen to your business. You tell it what to do. You tell it where to go. You're the one who's guiding it. You're not being drug around. Yes. And I think sometimes we feel drug around by money. <laughs> Don't you think? Oh my goodness, yes. But I like that you said we can tell our money what to do and we can happen to our business. And I think that mindset is so empowering. And it's something that I think women may struggle with a little bit more than men, just going off of what I've seen and the fact that I work primarily with women and I see that we have a lot of self-confidence issues when it comes to our business and especially our money in the business. So learning how to actually, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Learning how to actually manage this money so that we're more than just sales robots and we're actually becoming our own financial advisors and invest investors. That just is a total game changer. And like I said, I'm living proof that your method works. So thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, I will say this from my experience, it, it's been very much like yours. I do work primarily with women, but I have, oh gosh, I probably have six couples that I coach, um, husband, wife teams. And it, Men do have a very different approach to money. But see, men have always been taught historically that they can manage the money, whether they can or can't. They've just been told that they could. And I think um, historically in society, women were told, let the men handle the finances. And so there was almost this undercurrent of, well, maybe you can't or maybe you don't know enough. And so I'm not saying any of that's true. But I'm just saying it's kind of been an understanding and this current that has kind of rippled through time. And I am also now that we're seeing women who are like in the workplace, you know, at a much higher rate and at much higher levels than they've ever been before. Women are starting to realize, OK, wait a minute. This is this. I can I can do this. I can understand that. I'm telling you, if I can just get along with somebody and just tell them you can do this, I can teach you how to do it. I promise I can teach you how to do it. I've just got, you've just first got to believe that you can. If I can just get you to believe that you can, can own your relationship with money, I can teach you how to do it. It's just like telling somebody, I can teach you these, these, they're not always simple. They're easy, but they're not simple sometimes, you know, but, but it is teachable. It absolutely is. It, it's just a belief system that you can do it. Yeah, it requires a lot of internal reflection and mindset work, but once you have it nailed down, then everything becomes easier. Then you can invest in your business, and then, yeah, your business does grow. So it's a really exciting thing to see happen. So let's get tactical then. What okay. are three things that a creative entrepreneur could do within the next week or two to better understand their financials? So again, I'm going to say the very first thing is to decide that you want to understand them. There are, I mean, there are probably 5,000 quotes out there, but you know, until you are disillusioned with where you are, you're not going to go try something else. It says disillusionment must precede enlightenment. And so until we are disillusioned with where we are, until we're unhappy with where we are, and until we decide that there's got to be a better way and that I can affect change in my own world and my own business, it, 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 none of it matters. So the very first thing that you can do is decide that you want to take control of it. And here's the scary part of that. And I say that as if it's easy and some people are probably listening going, duh. But when you say that you want to own it, that means you got to own the good, the bad, the ugly, the mistakes, the successes, all of it. And that becomes a much bigger picture because now there's no finger pointing. There's no blaming. It's all on us, right? It's all on each of us individually to say, yep, I did that. Yep, that worked great and I'm excited. Nope, that didn't work so well. I won't do it again. So I would say that's the first thing is decide to own your relationship with money and your finances. The second thing that I would say, and, and um, we'll talk about maybe later, Kate, I can share with you like, you know, 
some of the different companies and styles and types that I work with. But I'm going to tell you, I've worked with people brand new. I literally speak to um, local colleges in my area. So I'm speaking to these interior design students who are still in school. And then I'm working with some who've been in the business 30 and 40 years and everything in between. And this, the second one is hugely important. And all of these things can happen no matter what stage of business you're in, whether you're brand new, getting ready to start, you know, on the right foot, or whether you've been in business 25, 30 years and you're thinking, oh snap, look how long I've been in business. There's no chance for me. And there is. But the second one is to forgive your past. So it's to forgive the past relationship with money. Forgive your past mistakes with money. Forgive the past you that didn't want to own it and didn't want to look at it and wanted to hide your head in the sand and didn't reconcile your books for four years or didn't ask for help. So when you, the first step is to own it and to decide to own it. The second step is to forgive the past, pour grace on it. You can't fix it, you can't change it, and we can't fix the future by dwelling on the past. So we gotta forgive it and just say, as Maya Angelou says, you know, now that I know better, I'm gonna do better and, and, and make the decision to do better. And then I would say the third thing to do is to make a plan to move forward. And making a plan doesn't have to be this huge, big, drawn-out thing. It's literally just asking yourself and taking an evaluation of here's where I am right now. Is it working for me? Yes, no, maybe. Where do I want to go? And what do I need to get there? That simple. Do you struggle with social media or email marketing? Socialite can help with email newsletters and social media posts that you can customize and use in minutes. Marketing your design or home staging firm has never been easier, faster, or more affordable. Visit katethesocialite.com to access free and premium marketing help for your business today. Yes. So those three tactics that creative entrepreneurs can use to really tackle their mindset around money is just genius. And it worked for me. And I'm here to say it wasn't the easiest thing. Michelle, I don't know if you remember, but when we were in a really intense coaching together, I was deliberating on whether or not I should buy a new laptop for my mm -hmm. business. And some people might think, oh, well, why is that a big deal? Don't overthink it. Buy a laptop. But I just couldn't. Like, I was right. so upset about it. And it was only, I don't know, it was less than $2,000. But where I was at in my business and where I was at in my mindset with money, it just wasn't good. And I remember, and even my husband will repeat this to me to this day. He's like, Michelle told you that money is okay. And it's okay if you want to set aside some to spend on yourself. It's okay if you want to upgrade your business equipment. It's not wrong. And, you know, even though I've conquered a lot of my money issues, still, it's good to come back to it. And have you found that to be the case with a lot of business owners or am I like a unicorn? Oh, no, you're not the unicorn at all. Um, it, it's, it's funny that you say that. So I have, um, you know, I also teach passion for profit, master your profit about a profit first methodology. And I have a client right now who's talking to me about, okay, I know I need to buy a laptop. I'm just the same conversation, but part of me doesn't want to buy a laptop. And part of me wants to know which account to take it out of. And, and she's struggling with when it's not that she doesn't have the money, which was the same position that you were in. But again, I think it goes back to relationship with money and you're a natural saver, Kate, remember mm -hmm. from our conversations. And so what I love is, what you just told me that you remind yourself and what your sweet husband reminds you of about money. And that those are those affirmations. So I think anytime we learn something new or we're learning to own something, creating affirmations to support our journey is very important. And so I'm actually so glad that you said that because we all have them. You know, we, I go through times where I'm like, I'm willing to spend to invest in my business or in my home or whatever. And then I almost feel like, oh my goodness, I'm spending way too much. And I just want to slam the brakes and start backpedaling when I have to then step back and even say to myself, Michelle, it's okay. You made a plan. This was part of the plan. Work the plan, Michelle. I mean, I'm, I'm like talking to myself the same in the same manner. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that is important to because we're changing our behaviors, we're changing our mindset, you know, we're changing relationships to be something different. 
to move us to a different place. And you know as well, Kate, from our time together, I'm never going to tell you to spend willy-nilly. And, and every spending decision, we each have to make individually. We truly do. But we can't, we, there are um, really great ways to spend our money that are going to move us forward. And then sometimes there's just that, that throwing good money after bad. That's, that's what we don't want to be in. We just want everything to be thought out enough that we understand um, the repercussions, good and bad, on either side of the spend. So that then we're making these spending choices from a place of feeling empowered instead of um, a place of feeling that we don't know what we're doing, which is back to the whole, I can't pay myself conversation. I can't tell you how many people I look at their financials and there's 40, 50,000 sitting in their bank accounts and they're afraid to pay themselves. That's not because they don't have money. It's because they don't understand what the money is supposed to be doing. And so when we talk about the money and giving the money a job, um, they then, when they take the money out to pay themselves, they literally feel relieved because that money had a job and it's doing it. It's like saying I've got a calendar with all this time and I'm scared to death to do anything because I don't know where it fits. Well, once you learn how to use a calendar and that when you've spent the hour between one and two, you can't spend it in a different way. So that's how you've spent that time. You know, you, you have a different relationship with your calendar. It's the same kind of thing for money when you are fearful of, of putting all of your activities on the calendar because you won't have enough time, what that really says is you're overcommitted. Well, I find people do the same thing with their checkbook. They don't want to balance it. They don't want to put it into QuickBooks. They don't want to manage it. They don't want to reconcile it because they're going to realize they've really overspent it. It's the same thing. But when we change the mindset and say, I want to work within the boundaries of what my business has and can do and how it can support me so that I can sleep at night, so that I can breathe, so that I don't feel stressed, so that I know whether I can buy the new laptop. Is it going to mean the difference in my company shutting down or is it going to mean the difference in me being more productive so that we're making decisions from a, a place of being empowered to move forward instead of like shackled in this despair trap. You know, that that's just, I have lived in that and I am telling you, it is miserable. You've got money in the bank. Don't know if you can pay yourself. You pay yourself and then you realize you should have paid Uncle Sam. And I mean, then you've got this whole cycle going on. It's horrible. And so my goal is to um, help entrepreneurs and business owners in this interior design and window covering space primarily understand how to make their money work for them. Yeah. You know, ignorance in business is not bliss. It is stress, it is fear, and it's like not paying yourself. And I speak from experience. So what, you know what it also does, Kay, though? Mm. It leads to this crush of confidence. Yes. It is it a crisis of confidence because the, the people that I've talked to, and, and I hear it every time, all the time, I've heard it from my 18 years in business, and their confidence is shaken because here's, they'll say, They'll say something along the lines of, I'm doing all this work and I'm making nothing for it. Certainly, I've got to be able to make more. Mm -hmm. And because so many of our listeners are interior designers who like before and afters, I want to illustrate this point with the before and after. So the before is the ignorance, the fear that comes with that, the lack of confidence, and a business that honestly is just barely getting by. But then the after of understanding your financials is the confidence that comes with knowledge, the confidence that comes with experience, and that complete mindset shift where now you are calling the shots in your business. And when I went through my transition phase of what I like to refer to as rags to riches, it, it was all because of mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, a good yet a scary thing to think, wow, that was the only thing holding me back. And, right. It seems so oh, small. Yes. But it's so huge because our thoughts determine our actions. And so every action that is coming from the root of a bad thought is going to create, in most cases, bad actions. Mm, yes. So what do you have to offer people who are in this position? They're in this quagmire of low confidence and ignorance towards their financials. What, what can you give them to help them out? 
a big hug. <laughs> we all well, that's a good start. <laughs> a hug. Really, I I know that sounds silly, but a lot you talk to most people that have worked with me and the thing they'll say is I came to you feeling stupid or dumb or overwhelmed or I didn't get it and maybe um, at some other time they felt that way. They said, but I came in and I felt non-judged. I felt loved. I felt hugged. And then I felt empowered. So what I would say is I would start by giving you that. I would start by giving you um, the encouragement that you can do it. That's very um, emotional. And I think that's important. But then a little more tactical, what I have is I have actually created a financial plan and don't let that term scare you to death. Kate and I were laughing about the other. She's like, it sounds like a financial planner. You know, in some ways it is, but what it does is it just says, I want to plan for where I want to go. I have an idea of what I want to be paid. I have an idea and I want to write it down on paper and then I'm going to look at it. At the business retreat I just did this weekend, I had the women, we had all done them on November, December, January, preparing for the year. And it, I mean, it literally is asking questions like, what kind of salary do you want to make? You know, what is your effective tax rate? And one of the, the um, coaches, students, whatever we want to call them this weekend said, I called my accountant and said, my business coach says that I should know my effective tax rate. She said, and I thought my accountant was going to come through the phone. She was screaming and laughing and so excited. And she's like, oh my, you're really going to own your numbers now. And so, you know, even her, the rest of her financial team was cheering for her because it meant she got to understand it. And there are people that will give you the information. So what I have is um, a financial plan. It's just a one page, really high level document that leads you through questions that just ask you, how much money do you want to have in your account at the end of the year so that you don't feel stressed going into January? I mean, just very straightforward, simple questions like that. But those questions start turning on the light bulbs and making you realize that, you know, you have the ability to create that. Once you've planned it, you have the create the ability to create it. Just like a vision board for our business, um, the financial plan is kind of a vision board for your financials. And this free resource that you're offering, you know, I hate to even call it it free because I don't want people to think that this isn't going to help them. It is going to tremendously help them. And to everyone listening, after you go through the free download that Michelle has for you, you have a few choices to make. You can either continue doing business the way you were and always wonder what might have been, or you can completely change your mindset and dive right into Michelle's Understanding Your Financials course. And she's got different modules in there that cover all different aspects of your business. And Michelle, would you tell us a little bit about that course? Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, the very first well, let me, let me back up. Remember I told you a minute ago that I work with people that are brand new, just starting their business, as well as those 30 years plus. Mm -hmm. So what I did when I created this course was I came in and kind of took the, my own approach that I was going to start from very basics so that nobody ever felt overwhelmed. I know how it feels to be in a course and feel overwhelmed. So the very first part of this goes into some just basic accounting that explains um, the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper, because I get that question a lot. Um, the difference between cash and accrual accounting, what's the difference between an asset and a liability in short term and long term. And um, so we go through all of that. We discuss the profit and loss and the balance sheet and how to read them, what metrics to look for, what to consider, what they're tied, what other documents are those tied to? We, um, in one of the modules, we go through this financial plan in detail so that you get to plan your future. Again, you get to happen to the business, not let it just happen to you. We then can use the plan and I teach you how to set financial goals. And these are goals of what is your salary? What are your expenses? How am I going to make money? Um, how much do I need to earn quarterly to have this happen? so that you can determine all kinds of things in your business, whether you're ready to hire or grow out and move outside of your home or whatever it is. We also go through how to create a company budget so that you can manage the money just like you would manage it in your home. We go through and talk about cash flow 
not every month is the same, you know? Some of us may have really high sales months and really low sales months. However, our expenses may stay the same. So we talk about kind of riding that little roller coaster, if you will, throughout the year. We also talk about metrics. So what should I be measuring? When should I be doing it? What should I look at weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly? And how does that fit in? And then um, I'm really, I'm excited about all that, but I'm also excited about the last module and that's the taxes module. So in that module, I go through and show you where um, primarily for um, an LLC, sole proprietor and S Corp, where you can look at your profit and loss, look at your balance sheet, and how you can see where those numbers show up in your personal and in your business taxes. Because we're responsible for making sure those numbers came out all right, not just our accountant and bookkeeper. But if we don't know where to look to see the correlations, we don't know how to do it. And so in this entire course, Kate, there are downloadable documents, downloadable spreadsheets, downloadable calculators. So it's not just, let me show it to you you actually get the documents that I use to monitor and to measure. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is in this course, I just got some feedback from some people who've just gone through it and they were saying the thing they loved is they could hit stop and, and rewind and stop and rewind and they went and printed off their own documents so they could look at what I had on the screen and look at their documents in front of them and go through slowly and do it at their own pace, and then they could go through it again and again until they owned it um, in and of themselves. So a lot of great information. There's seven modules in, seven lessons, if you will, within this one module. Yeah, and I think those self-paced courses are awesome because we don't have to feel bad about like asking someone to repeat something or taking right. longer on our, you know, quote unquote homework than someone else might be. We literally can do whatever it takes to let this information sink in and then put it into action. So speaking of taking action, guys, if this is something that you're struggling with, if you are scared of money, if you're the way I was and you are just like, you, you can't even justify investing in your business, much less in yourself, you need this course. And you've got a few options here. You can head over to scholarswideconsulting.com and you can get Michelle's freebie, which we talked about. It's available at the very top of her site. You can't miss it. And if you want to dive even deeper, go over to the courses section of her website. It's a little drop down menu and click on understanding your financials because we need this. We as creative business owners, we need to be more than just creatives. And I think, and Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong here, but not every person who owns a business is an entrepreneur. Is that correct? I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. I think that's kind of the scary part because then we just keep our heads down so much and we focus on doing the work, which we might love and we might be really good at, but we ignore the other aspects of our business, like, you know, what fuels the tank, meaning the money in the bank. Right. And we can't ignore that. We can't afford to. So mm -hmm. that's why I invited Michelle on today because this isn't something that we can keep ignoring. And 2018 is the year that you all listening need to get it figured out. So Michelle, hey, can I, make, I want to make one more comment. About yeah. That yeah. Before we wrap up because I think it's so important. I think, the th and, and this is straight from the heart, the thing that pains me the most and the reason that I have um, developed courses for more than 10 years in this particular industry of interior design and window treatments for pricing, for profitability, for metrics, for financials, is because it burdens me. I mean, I literally have chills even just saying that. It burdens me to see um, men and women with such creative ideas and abilities and talents, and I believe God-given gifts, do what they do and make no money at it. Because the more we do that, number one, you know, what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching those around them that are watching us? But, but number two, the thing that we were given as a talent, gift, or opportunity to bring joy to ourselves and to others loses its joy when we don't make money at it, especially if we have it as a business. If it's a hobby, that's a different thing. But when it has been set up as a business, it has been identified as a business, that is a big, big deal. Um, because your joy and your passion will be stripped away 
and you won't want to do it anymore. And I think that is super sad because there's so much talent. Your listeners are so talented. They have so much to offer the world, but the, but those transactions of what they have to offer should come with the transaction back to them of money um, so that they can continue to build their business and build their lives and have a home and do the things they need to do. So seeing that there's an unequal exchange there, if you will, just breaks my heart. And I long for it to be a more equal exchange so that um, those that are working with us are making money at what they do. I'm telling you what, imagine the joy if they all really made money at everything they did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? The design would it, it explode even more because, <laughs> because you love what you do. I just don't, I just don't want to see the love and the joy and the passion sucked out when it could be fixed. Yes. And I like that. I hear all the passion that you have for these people, for people just like me, for people listening. And that's why I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what you have to offer from a simple Facebook post to your freebies, to your courses, it's all meant to build up and empower the creative business owner. So thank you very much for taking time to be on the show today. I know that you're tired. I know that you've just had a hectic schedule lately, but thank you. I very much appreciate it. You're welcome. And Kate, I'll tell you, I could talk about this topic all day. Tired, not tired. (laughs) I'm tired because we talked about the topic all weekend, but it's because it's important. It's important. And, and Hey, I would also love to offer your listeners 10% off if they do want to take the course. Um, So if they go to the understanding your financials course and they want to take it, um, they can use the promo code Kate 10 capital K A T E 10 and get 10% off just for being one of your listeners. Awesome. Yes. So guys, head over to scholarthreadconsulting.com. Use the code Kate10. I'll be sure to put all this information in the show notes. And until next time, guys, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening to The Kate Show. Please hit the subscribe button and share this episode with a business bestie who needs to grow her interior design or home staging firm. To inquire about our products and services, please visit us at katethesocialite.com. Until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear.